Hey everybody and welcome to Breaking Biotech, everyone's favorite biotech podcast. My name is Matt and thank you guys for being here with me today. Please uh, like, subscribe, or leave me a comment, appreciate that. You can also follow me on Twitter at Matthew Lepore, and uh, I do have been a little bit more active lately, so you'll see my updates there. But uh, glad to be here with all you wonderful people. It's been a great week, a lot of exciting news has come out, as well as some uh, some good rumors, which you don't always see, and those even continued into the weekend with the uh, rumor that Roche is going to be buying Spark Therapeutics. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to talk about Sage, which I think has some upcoming catalysts that are going to increase the stock price, and going to talk about the Intercept data, the Phase 3 Nash data that came out, which was uh, which was good. It was mixed, but it was good. So to start off, I'm going to talk about the macro environment a little bit, and really it's just a few things that I'm looking forward, looking towards this week. One of them is this finance committee hearing on prescription drug costs. So CEOs or executives from a bunch of these big pharma companies are going to come and talk about uh, they're going to get grilled by the senators. And a lot of times, I don't think anything's really going to come of this. It's really just so the politicians can have that sound clip of them berating the the evil drug companies and their greedy practices. So uh, so we'll see. But I think it's, it is interesting to see the the arguments that the politicians have against the companies and how the company is trying to rhetorically pivot away from that. And yeah, so so we'll see. But the other thing that uh, this week we're, we're going to look out for is this continued anticipation of a Chinese-USA trade deal, which has not come out yet. And it really seems like there's just continued hype over this deal coming. And, uh, you know, it's going to be the best deal. It's going to be a great deal. Of course, the reality is that, you know, both sides... Are feeling the pressure to just get a deal done so that they can go back to their respective side and say how great they were in negotiating and uh, and winning the trade war so i think this is going to end up being a sell the news event not to the extent that we're going to retest the lows of uh, december but the i think the market has sufficiently priced in the uh, the outcome of a trade deal here and if we go to the xbi real quick we uh this week we were able to touch just above 87 and then uh, we retraced down to about 84, and we're slowly making our way um, sideways in that means. So we're starting to see these higher highs and these lower highs, higher lows is what I mean. So it's overall good, uh, stable increase in the market. We're not seeing this crazy ramp up that seems to be happening in the SPX, but uh, yeah, anything could happen. But I do see the support that's starting to hold, and I'm going to be following that. I still have my XBI position, and uh, I'm not really adding to it. I'm just adding to to companies that I that I like in that regard. Okay, next thing that I uh, wanted to mention is that Powell is going to be testifying before the Senate Banking Committee as well as Congress today. So you get two days of Powell talking, which is much more Powell than I want to listen to. But he's likely, in my opinion, going to continue his dovishness and talk about how the the Fed is going to be data dependent and they're going to be very patient. Powell loves saying patient these days. So uh, watch that if you've got nothing better to do. I'm also going to be looking out for some housing data this week. So building permits coming out on Tuesday as well as pending home sales on Wednesday. Uh, housing is, is a leading indicator for the markets and the economy overall. So I like to keep an eye on that. The ADP non-farm payroll should be coming out as well. And the biggest one of all of these is the U.S. GDP number for Q4 is going to come in on the last day of the month. So I think uh, if this number does not meet expectations or exceed it, I think we could see a bit of a 
retracement in the market. So Thursday could be volatile. All right. So let's get to the good stuff. Uh, intercept, regenerate Nash trial, phase three, very dramatic. After the Gilead failure uh, the week before, Intercept has released their data and they looked at Nash in F2 and F3 patients, as well as F1, which I wasn't expecting. So their drug, for those who don't know, is an FXR agonist, and they've shown in mice that FXR agonism can improve uh, fibrosis in mice and mobilize fat in the liver. And when they did these studies in, in humans in phase one and phase two, they saw positive results. So this is the result for their phase three. And uh, what they saw was in fibrosis, they got an improvement, but in NASH resolution, they did not see an improvement, at least in F2 and F3 patients. In F1, they did see an improvement in NASH resolution at the high dose, but I'm not sure how they're going to, you know, how they're going to use this to get the indication for F2 and F3 patients. But basically, to dive in a bit, the fibrosis improvement, they saw 23.1% of patients got uh, one or greater stage improvement with no worsening of NASH compared to 11.9% of placebo. The, the low-dose OCA was not very effective, you know, p-value 0.04, so you could say it's significant, but I don't think they're going to really hang their hat on that too much. Uh, with the stage, so I think this is the, there's no worse to catch, yeah, so um, the NASH resolution, they didn't see really an effect. It was very mild and not significant, uh, unless you looked at the F1 patients. So it seems to me that they're going to be putting together this entire package of positive benefits that OCA has for the FDA or the advisory committee, depending on what, uh, what, what goes on. And basically they're going to have this list of benefits, um, and try to get as many indications as possible. So I don't know if they're going to try and get an indication for, uh, F1 NASH patients, but it looks like they're setting up some safety nets so that they can try to get as much as they can. So we'll see how they try to present it. And I think the attempt to get as many uh, benefits here is due to the fact that they don't see an improvement in NASH resolution for the F2 and F3 patients, as well as the side effect profile. So if we see here, 51% uh, of patients reported uh, puritis in the high dose, but they only saw a dropout rate of about 8.7%. So overall, uh, this is a very high incidence in my opinion, but the dropout rate is decent. So they're not seeing too many patients actually drop out from it. But keep in mind that this is only, I think it's like an 18-month trial. So, you know, I don't know if patients are going to want to stay on this drug for the rest of their life if uh, if pruritus is going to be that prevalent for them. So they that's kind of the, the bear case. The bull case is, you know, this company's had to manage pruritus before in their other indication. I forgot the name of the diseases, but OCA is already approved for uh, something else. So they've been able to manage it in a lot of those patients. So I think it's possible that they can do this, but lifelong treatment, I don't know if this is good. Uh, given this, they, they did mention in the call that they're considering getting approval for dose titration. So to, to make it easier for patients to get to these, uh, to manage these side effects, they're going to do a dose titration. So start at five for a bit and then go to 10 and then go on. But if patients start to get um, a maximum tolerated dose of only 10 or 15 milligrams, they're not going to see an improvement in NASH, which is what we see here. So the 10 milligrams, you know, it's a slight improvement. So I think that the dose titration could be good, but 
they're not going to see patients stay on the drug if they can't hit that 25 milligram dose. So we'll see how that goes. The FDA might approve that. The LDLC increase was interesting. So they saw that at four weeks, they got an increase, an average increase of 23.6 milligrams per deciliter. And then this approach baseline by month 18. So it's good that they saw uh, normalization of these levels, but this increase is not very positive in my opinion. They, they did say that the major adverse cardiovascular events were balanced between the groups, which is good, but you know, we don't know exactly how long, you know, how long it would take for whatever increase of LDLC would actually have an effect on these events. You know, the, the intuitive thing is you would expect to see them pretty soon, but you might need a, a longer term cardiovascular outcomes trial to actually see whether these events present themselves. So I think a CVOT trial can be like five to six years, whereas if they only looked at month 18, these patients might start seeing the effects of this increased LDLC, you know, by year three or year four. So I think uh, it's good that they got normalization of this, but I don't think a lot of doctors are going to be excited about getting these patients that have a lot of uh, risks already for cardiovascular disease to get this big an increase in LDLC. We also don't know how many of these patients had to take statins to bring this down, and they're going to present that data at ESOL on April 10th to the 14th of this year. So I'm excited to see the expanded data. If the stock rallies from where it's at now, this could be a huge sell-off event if this data shows anything negative. So I personally am looking out for type 2 diabetes incidents after uh, OCA treatment, statin usage, you know, they did mention that the MACE events are balanced, but I'd like to see the actual breakdown. And uh, we're also going to see some lipids, so see whether or not triglycerides increase as well or not. So it, uh, it will be nice to see this expanded data um, on this date, and I think it could be a significant driver of the stock moving forward. And we also don't know yet whether or not there's going to be an advisory committee, uh, which is possible, but, you know, we'll see from then. So what the stock actually did after the, the data was released is it hit a high of 124 um, and then it dropped down to about 91. And I think it's hovering around 93 right now. So it's sitting around a 2.7 billion market cap, which is very close to Magical actually. And uh, Intercept is about a year or two ahead of Magical at this stage. So I think uh, investors are a little bit scared based off the questionable efficacy as well as the side effect profile. So um, until some of this uncertainty becomes clarified in the next year or so, I think the stock's probably going to tra trade range-bound around here um, until we see some updated data at ESOL, which, if it's not all positive, I think uh, we could see further downside. So the two Ma Nash companies that I like are Viking and Madrigal. Viking uh, has done a fatty liver study in Phase 2. They didn't really do fibrosis, so that's something that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that data, and I think their market cap is going to come up a lot closer to uh, Magical if they show an, an improvement in fibrosis, but they did see an amazing improvement in decreasing liver fat at 12 weeks, which Magical has also shown with their drug, but Magical has also shown improvements in fibrosis and NASH resolution. So NASH is definitely ahead of, of Viking at this point, and they're beginning their uh, phase three study pretty soon for NASH and I don't think it's confirmed whether or not they're doing a phase three in dyslipidemia, but the drug does show very good uh, blood lipid improvement with M MDGL3, MDGL3196. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this data, but 
I think Intercept uh, does have a decent chance of being approved, but by the FDA. But whether or not the you know payers are going to cover it, and whether or not doctors are going to want to prescribe this drug, I'm I'm very nervous about it. And so it's what's keeping me away from wanting to short or uh, go long the stock just because of so much uncertainty. So uh, we'll see. But very interesting data, definitely. And um, yeah, gonna gonna keep an eye on it anyway. All right, next thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, Sage. So Sage is a company that has a couple drugs for depression, different types of depression, uh, but it's basically one drug that modulates the GABA uh, inhibitory pathway. So Brexanolone, which uh, the drug itself, I forget the commercial name, but they, they came up with Brexanolone and it works as an injection. And then they've made another iteration of the drug called Sage 217 which you can take as a once daily oral pill. So Brexanolone saw positive results and they have a PDUFA date on March 19th of this year. So uh, I think the FDA will approve the drug and they're gonna then launch it in June of, of 19. So I think that once this gets approved, the, the stock will jump on the news because um, it's been there's been some uncertainty. And I think just with depression drugs, there's a lot of concern that some of them can have these these negative side effects the advisory committee did vote i think 17 to 1 to approve so uh, it should be a, a positive day for them and they're going to see that uh, that approval date if this does go wrong uh, we should see some good data for phase 3 in major depressive disorder as well as phase 2a in bipolar disorder for their better drug called uh, sage 217 so I think these are going to be good readouts for for later on they have a ton of cash which i think is going to you know perpetuate them to be able to develop the drug as a asset producing or sorry a revenue producing asset and you know a lot of patients are not happy with the current um depre- the current depression drugs that are out there there's a lot of side effects associated with them that i think sage can come in and be a good um, alternative for people so i uh, i like sage and I bought it on the dip because I noticed that they were, you know, they they were coming down a bit, and I saw some some support there, so so I I jumped in. But I'll show you that in my um, portfolio wrap up, which I noticed is not up yet. Okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, bio rumors. So, you know, a lot of people really like M and A in biotech, and I personally I think I kind of hate it only because it's impossible to predict really you can you can like think that you can predict certain you know companies that might be uh, a good fit for some other company or companies that might be good attractive takeovers but i just feel there's so much uncertainty in that regard that i i can't really predict it well and maybe you guys can but uh i'm just bad at it i guess so we we saw that amarin uh, was a potential contender for novartis and you know i don't know if any of these rumors are true uh, Novartis has been kind of on has been on a tear with their acquisitions, so you know why not add to their portfolio with a uh, with a good drug? I uh, personally think it's much smarter to bet on the company because you believe in their product and you believe in the company moving forward, not really on the chance that they get bought out necessarily. But uh, you do want that as an exit strategy if the company can't itself move their drug forward. So if the company isn't able to raise any more money then uh, you know, you'd want them to get bought out because they're, they're not going to be able to do anything with the drug that they have, even if the drug is good. But 
you know. Um, yeah, so the apparently there's a rumor going on with Novartis and Ameren, which uh, which is good. I uh, still have my shares and haven't sold, although I am happy with the uh, newfound value of my Ameren shares. So yesterday, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we saw that there's a rumor going on that Roche is going to be buying Spark Therapeutics, which is good, um, at least for the gene therapy world. I think it'll it'll probably boost all the gene therapy stocks a little bit this week, even if we don't see any real um, tangible news. But it shows that uh, the large cap bios are starting to accept gene therapy and uh, and think of it as a as a good prospect for for the future. So I like that. I'm disappointed that I only have 10 shares of Spark, but, you know, it is what it is. So the other thing that uh, I wanted to mention is that this week I'm looking at the Sarepta data, which should come out. They're going to show the limb girdle data when they present their Q4 2019 results. I i don't think I've seen this before necessarily, like an update with, uh, with new results and their earnings, but I think they're doing this because the financials might be disappointing, but the actual limb girdle data will be good. So it'll even out the uh, whatever stock movement. But I do think that it's going to be a net positive uh, stock movement that we see here. All right. So the last thing I wanted to do was just go over a uh, quick portfolio update. And I did add some Madrigal as well as some Viking. Um, and then I did make take some positions on Sage, Biomarin, and Catalyst Bio. So I uh, didn't talk about Biomarin, but they're a gene therapy company that I've been interested in a while. And I thought that the uh, dip on the stock earlier this week after their earnings was a good chance to buy. So I'm going to be holding them for a while. Uh, I might just do a, a talk on them um, in the coming weeks just to, to, to show why, why I think they're a good company. So yeah, Sage, I mentioned what I'm looking for there. And uh, Catalyst Bio, I'm not going to see uh, Catalyst for them for the next few months. But Otherwise, I'm pretty happy with the portfolio to date. We're at around 7.5% on the year, which is catching up to S&P 500, but still uh, pales in comparison to the XBI since it went on that massive tear in the earlier part of the year. So, yeah, uh, volatility continues to get crushed, although we saw a bit of a bit of a spike in the XBI vol. So uh, we'll see if that materializes into anything, but it really looks like we're, we're starting to hit, uh, hit a, the maximum um, downside in volatility so this might just until we see a big event come on this is kind of where volatility is going to hang out um, until things until there's something dramatic that goes on so we'll see but uh, yeah I want to thank you guys so much for watching uh, please like comment or uh, subscribe would really appreciate that and you can definitely follow me on Twitter where I've been uh, tweeting a lot more at Matthew Lapoire. so with that gonna wrap up but uh, we'll see you guys next time